find what children mean, so if anybody wants to come up, I don't really care. So, yeah, come on up. It's probably mostly just the Kobe kids, but if anybody else, take this time. I got to, as they're coming up, I got to tell you, I've been waiting to use what I have as a sermon illustration for a long time, and I'm super excited. So, come on up, guys. Take a seat. I guess you guys probably sit up here. Let me grab what I got. I'm going to hide it. Um, okay, you can sit there. So, yeah, just sit there. So I got something. I'm, ta- I'm going to talk to everybody, but I'm going like, to focus on you guys. So I got this. This is a record. You guys know what a record is, right? Do you, do you really know? Okay, I was going to say. So a record here, I'll show you. It's this old for- way of playing music. Trust me, I'm not this old either, so I, I'm one of those weirdos who like, discovered it. So it's, this is, it's like a re- You remember a CD? Do you know what a CD is? It's like a really big CD. Okay. But, oh guys, this is exciting. So, my friend and I collect these records because we're Luddites, um, and we like old things. And he gave this one to me for Christmas one year. It's called If the Bomb Falls. Good show it to everybody. So what this was, this was issued by the U.S. government in the 50s. Because back in the 50s, the U.S. was in this like really scary place where... It was a possibility that war would break out and that a bomb might drop anywhere in the country. And so the U.S. government, they issued this record, If the Bomb Falls. And the first side is what to do. You're supposed to put it on the record player and it tells you like, what you're supposed to do when a nuclear bomb falls. I mean, they were assuming you had still electricity. I don't know. Whatever. And the other side is supposed to help you prepare and plan for that. Like you build a special bomb shelter in your, in your house. And it even includes, which is fun, a booklet on how to build a fault shelter. So I'll put it in the back for all the adults who find this interesting, because you guys look a little bored by this. But it relates to our story. I know you think it's boring. Okay, just wait up. <laughs> oh, it is interesting. Thank you, Willa. So let's, I, sh- I had to share this because, like I said, I've been, used, I've been holding on to this thing for like three years. Okay, so our story this morning... It involves Jesus and his disciples, right? And they were just at the temple. Do you guys remember the, what the temple is? Yeah, it's where everybody went to worship in Jerusalem. And his disciple, one of his disciples, it doesn't really mention who, that's not as important, he's kind of looking at all these stones because back then, the temple was made out of these huge stones. Look, okay, look right here. You see all these pews behind you? That's how big one of these stones would have been. And it had been like six feet high or something. So these massive stones. Do you think you could like easily move those things? No? Imagine like giant Lego bricks. Right, Hyatt? Do you think that those are easy to fall over? Like if they're that, this big? You have seen one? Do you think it would have been easy to tip over? But Jesus is basically, he tells his disciples, yeah, this temple's impressive, but all of these stones are going to overturn. And they're thinking, how is anything that big going to overturn these stones? So they're asking Jesus. And Jesus is like, all right, buckle in. i got a lesson for you. And he basically tells them that now that I have come and what I'm planning to do, things are going to start changing. Life's not going to be the same as it once was. And he's warning them that there's a possibility of wars breaking out and famine and all this scary stuff. And Jesus tells them, but don't worry, this is just the beginning. This is kind of the new normal. And they're like, the new normal? 
Would you want war and bad stuff to be the normal? No, neither would I. But that's what Jesus says. And they're thinking, well, when's this going to happen, Jesus? Tell us. And he says, I don't know. Nobody knows but God the Father. And they're like, I thought Jesus knew. Yeah, exactly. I I thought Jesus knew everything. And she's giving this face like, but he says, nobody knows. But he does tell them that, watch out. Don't worry. As long as you follow me, as long as you work and listen to my spirit, things are going to be okay. So Jesus reminds his disciples that although things get crazy, right? Hi, Willa. Although things are getting crazy, we follow God because we know he's going to bring us through it, right? Okay, you guys can take a seat. I took, I took your time long enough. Take a seat, guys. Thanks. Um, like I said, I'm going to put this... Thank you. I'm going to put this out later because this is like... I have, a, I have a collection of records. This is like one of my favorites because it's so weird. Um, but I'll put it out later. So why don't you turn in your Bibles to Mark 13. Mark 13. Let's see. Oh, I've got to get a Bible. I'm not sure what pages it is on yet. But we're going to start at verse 1, Mark 13. Um, We're going to jump around. I'm kind of leaving out the entire middle section of this passage. And part of that is just because of time. I don't want to read the whole thing. Um, But the other part of it is just because... You know, but I, I would encourage you to go back and read it, because it gets kind of crazy. But we're going to read Mark 13, 1 through 8, and then we're going to read 32 through 37. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones! What magnificent buildings! See, that's what I would have been like. See, I'm, a, I'm kind of an architecture nerd, so I would have been like, yeah. and I, I've, I've been to the Israel, and it's crazy how big these stones are. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, tell us when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. We'll skip to 32. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with his assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch the word of the Lord. 
find it's just interesting to me. You know, I was not alive, obviously, during the Cold War. Um, I'm not that old. Some of you were. Some of you remember the kind of tension that was happening and how there was kind of this concern of, like, what's going to happen at any moment? You know, and we look back on it, and we see these, like, animated cartoons of turtles teaching kids to hide under their desks if a nuclear bomb falls, if the sirens go off. And we think it's kind of cute. But in the moment, this new way of living would have been so, was probably so stressful and, ang- and anxious for a lot of people. And they really sensed that, you know, the way the world was, this, what we thought of a foundational stone in our culture was being overturned to this new way of living. And it reminds, reminded me a lot of what Jesus is talking about today in this passage. And like I said, I really like the, the disciples and kind of the way that this story starts. You know, you got the, one of the unnamed disciples, and he's, he's looking at this, this temple, which at that time was considered, and, and still is, like a major feat of engineering, with these massive stones that you think, how did they ever, well, you know, at least coming from like our standpoint, how did they transport these giant stones without some like, you know, tractors or trailers? How did they do all of this by hand? It's, it's insane. And so it's right. It makes sense that these disciples are in awe of it, you know. It's, this would have been one of the, you know, ancient marvels, engineering marvels of that day. And Jesus is this good teacher. And he's kind of like, probably not even bothered to look and be like, yeah, I mean, they're cool. They're impressive. But I got a little lesson for you guys that I've been meaning to talk to you about. You see these stones? All of them are going to turn over. All of them are going to be torn down. He uses this, as, a good, as any good teacher does, he uses this as a teaching moment. Because in this city of Jerusalem, a city that had stood for thousands of years, after tons of armies came through and tried to destroy it, it was still there, it was still present. This place for God's people to come and worship Him. And so Jesus comes and he's saying, no, all this is going to turn upside down. It's going to be hard. Things are going to be different now. And it's reasonable that the disciples, they don't get it. They're just like, wait, okay, like, what does this all mean? And, and you get the, you know, kind of what we like to think is some of like the, the, the head disciples come to him later. And he's like, Jesus, could you explain this a little bit more? Because some of the other disciples are kind of confused about this and maybe, you know, we could help them understand it. And so Jesus does go into more depth about what's, what he's talking about. That basically things are going to get crazy. Thing, there's going to be wars, famines, earthquakes, all sorts of stuff happening. The world's going to turn upside down. The things in your life that you thought were stable, those things are going to turn over, including the stones of the temple. And obviously, we can look back and we can see that one of the things that Jesus was talking about was the destruction of that temple in Jerusalem. There was an uprising of Jewish people after Jesus' time, like about 30 years later. 
And the Romans came into Jerusalem and they basically destroyed the whole place. They, over, they destroyed the temple, overturning a lot of the stones on the temple mount. We can see that Jesus, his prediction was right, that a new normal is coming. And the new normal, things are getting turned over. Things are turning over. And we can just imagine the Jews at this time, the disciples Jesus is talking to and thinking to themselves, wait, no, that's not how... Maybe you're speaking metaphorically that stones are overturning. It can't be that these things in my life that are so consistent are going to be overturned because of you. And if we look specifically at the destruction of the temple, we know that that would have been a huge deal for Jewish people. That, that the place where they met God, the place where God had dwelled for like a thousand years, was going to be overturned. What does that mean then for them as worshipers? How do you worship your God if the place where He's supposed to be is no longer there? How do you worship? So this this foundational stone in their lives, Jesus is telling them, will be overturned. And what's the, the, the thing that Jesus has the most audacity to say is that and this is just the beginning of the birth pains. This is, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Okay, like This is the new normal. Get used to it. Don't freak out. Don't get ahead of yourselves. This is just the beginning of the very early birthing pains. When I was in seminary, I had a lot of friends about my age. And a lot of them were starting young families. And so, a lot of my friends, male and female friends, um, they were having babies, and it was not uncommon to have someone, you know, have to go and tell a professor, like, hey, look, my wife's really pregnant, I might have to leave one of your classes soon, okay. And so, my one friend, this had happened to him, his wife was quite pregnant, and he was like, hey, I might have to leave class early, he let all of his professors know, and one day in one of our classes... He's, he gets a text message, and then all of a sudden he's like starts gets super flustered. And he starts gathering all these things. He's like, "I gotta go. My wife's in labor." And like the professor's like, "Yeah, go, go be with your wife. We'll be praying for you and all this stuff. Don't worry about like any schoolwork." And he like like sprinted, darted out of the classroom. And the professor just turns to us and he's like, "He's a first time dad. I guarantee you that doctors are gonna send him home." I was like, like I'm like, and you me, I'm like not knowing anything. I'm like wow, that's kind of insensitive. You're kind of being a jerk. And of course he was right, right? So like this new dad, this new mom, they're like freaking out at the first thing that happens and they rush to the hospital and the doctor's like, no, 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 no. You got a long time. Get back, get back home. You know, relax. Maybe we'll see you in a couple of days. And it was, it was a couple of days later that, you know, she really went into labor and they have a beautiful daughter because of it. But to me, it reminds me of this story that there's this angst, there's this anxiety where you feel like on pins and needles when you don't know what's going to happen next. You know, this anxiety of you know, being a new parent of like, like, 
the, my world's going to change, and I'm not sure when it's going to happen. You know, at least there's a little bit more regularity with having a child. You know, it's going to be about this many months till it comes, so get prepared. And it reminds us that there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress in our lives today over all the crazy stuff that's happening in our world, right? For a lot of us, we remember what things used to be like, and we see what's going on today, and we see all the tension and the divisiveness, the systemic injustice, and we think, what's going on here? Or we see that these major things, these major pieces of our lives, maybe they're cultural figures, maybe they're institutions, things that we relied on, that we thought, ah, yes, this person's a good person. I can trust them. These things are being overturned. Institutions that maybe benefited us, ways of life that benefited us, they're being turned over. Revealing the ugliness on the other side, bringing that to life. It's like when you're a kid and you find a really good rock, right? And you're like, oh, it's a nice rock. But when you turn it over, you find all that gross worms and muck and all that stuff on the other side. And there's this sense that we don't know how we're supposed to operate in this new way of being. Even for like younger people like myself, like it still is like everything's moving so fast, it is really hard to keep up. When you, figure, when you figured one thing out, you're already two steps behind. When you're like, okay, I know, okay, I know that's bad, like I'm not supposed to say that anymore, and then you say something else, and you realize, oh wait, that's bad too? Like, and you're trying to be good about it, but things are just moving so fast. And this, and Jesus doesn't say doesn't give us a clear path of, how, of what's going to happen, of what, what's going to happen all before he comes back to redeem his people, to finish the work that he started, to, to make the world new. He doesn't give us a clear sense. He does, in this passage, he reminds us that he's not sure when it's all going to happen, but he calls us to live into it, to be alert. He calls us to enter into that. And that's what's maybe most frustrating. Is that Jesus doesn't give us any, doesn't seem to give us a lot of assurance about it. Instead, he tells us, be alert. And he he invites us to enter into this new crazy life, this new crazy world we're in. And for a lot of us, I think, when faced with this uncertainty, when faced with a world that is all mixed up and things are being overturned, we try to cling on to certain things. And we're like, well, this, this thing is the part of my life that I know is not going to be overturned. I know this to be true. We try to, or we try to make meaning out of all the craziness that's happening. You know, whether that's, you know, we, we look up on like, we're online at like 12.30 at night looking up on those crazy like, conspiracy theories. Or, you know, we look to certain people, maybe religious leaders, who, who they've told us they've figured it out. And it was 2012. That was when the world ended. And, 
I don't know what happened since, but trust me, that's when it happened, right? There's always somebody who has an idea of the date the world's going to end. Just got to wait a few years, and they'll, they'll tell you. And we try to make meaning. We try to explain all, all the bad things that are happening, all the craziness that's going on in society. We want concrete answers, and Jesus refuses to give them to us. And that what, that's what maybe can feel so frustrating about a place like, or about a passage like this. And it leads us to focus on these short, simple, easy answers rather than focus on Jesus, the one who's bringing these changes. I think, I think Emmeline's face, she summed it up when I mentioned that Jesus doesn't even know when the end of the world is. When we read that passage, it's like, what? Jesus? The guy that we're told, the guy who's our savior, the guy who came, he lived this perfect life, who suffered on the cross, died for our sins, and rose again to to bring all things new. The guy who's fully God and fully man, the 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 point in like all the universe where we like rest all of our hope, even he doesn't know when the world's going to end. And I'm sure that gave the disciples a lot of assurance. They're like, what help are you? We're trying to figure out when all the crazy stuff's going to happen so we can prepare, so we can get ready, so we can build that bunker and kind of wait for everything to blow over. Even the Messiah doesn't know when the world's going to end. So what are we supposed to do, they're probably thinking. How are we supposed to prepare for this? When Jesus just tells them, watch out. Be alert. It's the only advice he's willing to give them is to watch out and be alert. Don't get lazy and don't do, and you know like you don't don't want to just wait around, wait for everything to blow over. You don't want to hunker down in your bunker and just wait for all the things to settle until I get back. That's not a good way. But also, he doesn't want his disciples to go out and be deceived to try to figure those things out for themselves, to try to figure out ways that they, so that they know when it's going to end and they can tell you, because there's all sorts of people who are going to tell you that. Obviously, we joke about people who do that today, but back in Jesus' time, that was the reality too. There was all sorts of people who were willing to tell you when these things were going to happen. And Jesus... He just uses this image of workers in their master's house. And you know, the master, he's about to leave the house, and he probably gives everybody a job. He gives them an assignment, makes sure they know what to do. Doesn't tell them when they're getting back, when he's getting back. But he gives them their work, tells them what to do, and he heads out. And you know you need to have the job done when the master gets back. And so he tells his disciples to be alert. And I think it's important that we remember, or that we know why this book was written, to who this book was written to, right? It's not specifically written to us. Obviously, through the power of God's Spirit, 
It was written for us today in the 21st century in Portland, Oregon, here at Park Lane Christian Reform Church. But originally the author, Mark, he had a different group of people in mind. Still Christian people, but he had a group of Christians facing persecution, either in the church in Rome or in the church in Jerusalem. You know, either they were Christians in Rome being persecuted by Emperor Nero, or they were Christians in Jerusalem around that time of the Jewish rebellion where there was a lot of scary things going on in Jerusalem with the Romans coming in and taking control. Mark, at this point, it almost is as if he's writing this passage so that Jesus is directly speaking to those persecuted Christians. Be alert. Watch out. You don't want to be caught sleeping when the Master comes. You see these massive stones? These stones are being overturned. Things are different now. So what does it mean then to be alert and to watch out? I think what Jesus is saying is in that image of the master and the servants in his house. He's telling them, so Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to that church, that early Christian church, and he's speaking to us today. And he's saying, even in these tough times, even with the craziness that's going on, you know what your job is. You know what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to sit around waiting, letting all the whole thing blow over, or getting caught, caught up in the anxiety and trying to figure it out yourself. You have been given a job. You have been called to make disciples. To go out and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's one of, my, one of the like, great pieces of writing in, a, in the American tradition is the, the letter from Birmingham Jail by Martin Luther King Jr. And the one thing that he, he calls in that letter is he talks to specifically Christians, people who are sympathetic to the... To the um, uh, to, the, to, to their side of civil rights, but still don't act on it. They're like, well, I don't really like how things are going. I don't want to, you know, I'm just going to sit this one out. It's not my fight kind of thing. And he basically tells them, if you just sit by, if you just hunker down, kind of let everything blow over, see where all the, the chips fall, you're just as bad as those who are perpetuating racism Violence and evil. And he, and he basically asked people, do you want to just sit by and be like everyone else or are you going to join in and act? And I think it reminds us of what, God's, what God calls us to do, what Christ calls His disciples, those Christians and us to do in face of all this great turmoil, with all these stones being overturned in our culture, these, these massive stones that we try to stake our lives on, we sometimes, that's what we do. We, we find something that we know, ah, yes, this is my, like I love this cultural piece of my, of my life. It's nice and sturdy. Nobody's going to overturn this. Rather than finding the true rock 
our Savior Christ in which we place all of our hope. We place our identity. Because Jesus Christ is not the one, is not a stone that's going to be overturned. He's the one doing the overturning. You know, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul writes to a different group of Christians, probably facing similar issues, that Christ is coming back. He's redeeming the world. He's making all things new and He invites us in. He called us to be Christians in order that we can join in that work. We can join in the work of turning over these stones. These stones to make a the world better. To make creation more like the way it's supposed to be. Not through our own power. We don't, we don't do it. We don't do it just by our own might. We do it through the power of the Spirit. The same Spirit that has called us into this place. The same Spirit that in a little bit is going to call us out into, his, into the world so that we can join in for the work that God has for us. In a crazy time, Nobody's doubting that. During a a world where normal just seems crazy and hectic. And so for all of us us who are here, if if you've never embraced that call on your life, you've never invited God, the Holy Spirit, to enter into your life to, to bring you to that salvation, or whether or those of us who were inviting the Spirit in for the hundredth, the thousandth time, were called to join in the work Christ has for us. Would you please pray with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord, we know, you know, that life is pretty crazy. There's things in our life that we thought would never change. They're like these giant stones in the temple, but even those, even those you're turning over and you're making them new, Lord. And our world responds in a variety of different ways, but generally sinful, with evil, with violence, with destruction, with anxiety. We know, Lord, that you haven't called us to those things. You've called us to to join in, to be alert, to know the job that you have for us, the power of your Spirit, so that we can enter in to your work with you today and be a part of that work for the rest of our days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please?